Code Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And we are recording this uh, from our bunkers underground because we are knee deep in the coronavirus pandemic. So we thought, well, why not bring on a guest who can help us generate more referrals? We are talking about someone that I've never met until about three minutes ago, and so I'm excited to get to know her and ask her tons of questions that's going to help you with your business. We're talking to a three-time entrepreneur, author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, and host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Stacy Brown Randall. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hopefully we don't stay held up in these bunkers for very long. Uh, this only lasts a few weeks, but as of the recording, it's kind of just the chaos is just somewhat beginning and we're hoping this doesn't last more than a few weeks. Uh, well, for your sake, yes, because you don't have a lot of toilet paper left. We did determine <laughs> that I have not bought any toilet paper in a while. I think we've got enough to last us a week or so, but uh, we're just going to have to... Uh, you know, be smart with our rationing. That's right. We all needed to learn it at some point, right? Every generation has to go through it at some point. Uh, toilet paper is ours. I, I tell you what, we've had this conversation and we're totally going down a rabbit hole here and I didn't intend for this, but uh, we had this conversation at a family dinner a couple of weeks back and literally we were talking about, my dad's a very frugal person and he was talking about how many squares do you use when you wipe and how, little did we know this would become a real conversation that we have to actually deal with today. <laughs> He was forecasting for you without Appar even knowing it. Apparently, right? So, Stacy, welcome to the show. Uh, let's start with you. I, I assume most of our audience probably doesn't know who you are. So, tell our audience who you are, where you come from, and kind of your upbringing in business. Sure. So, I actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, and when I think about kind of my business journey over the last so many years, I'd like to say I kind of have like this portfolio career journey of becoming an entrepreneur, but I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. So being an entrepreneur is not the thing that gets you the, the weird side eye from your relatives when you sit at the Thanksgiving table and they all talk about what they do or they talk about business and you're like the entrepreneur and they're like, what? Nobody understands it. At my table, it's like, what? You have a W-2? <laughs> what? <laughs> like We don't do that. My family does come from the crazy side of entrepreneurship. They're all typically in the restaurant or hospitality industry of business owners. So I like to call them crazy because I know exactly what their lives look like. And I think it is crazy. So I'm actually the granddaughter, daughter, sister, wife, well, until my husband sold his restaurant and niece of restaurant owners. <laughs> so wow. it runs a little rampant in our family. And the funny thing about all that is I'm the only one who cannot cook. <laughs> well, then you married right. I did. Oh, I married so right when it comes to, I'm like, I'll do the laundry. You cook all the meals. It's a perfect partnership. That's fantastic. And so, so you're, and you're talking about an extremely volatile business too, because the restaurant business, what is the, what is the failure rate? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's very similar to most businesses, you know, 80% will fail before they hit their fifth year restaurants and businesses pretty much the same on that. I think it happens a little faster with businesses and sometimes with even increased loss of capital because of all the equipment and the seats and the tables and right everything you have in a restaurant. My husband owned his for 14 years before he sold his percentage back to his business partner. My family one has actually been going since before I was born. So I'd like to say it's been going, you know, for like 22 years, but that would be a big fat lie. It's been going for more than that, um, but it's been going for decades and decades. In some cases, we picked right with our restaurant part of like what they choose to do and where the restaurants are and what they actually do. But so for me, becoming an entrepreneur was always this, that's what I want. What I didn't know when I was like getting out of college and going to corporate America and going through grad school and stuff, what I didn't know is, is like, what do I want that business to be? 
So I started my very first business at the, at the beginning of the 2008 recession, but I can't blame what happened to my business on the recession. I had an HR consulting firm. I had big name clients as my clients like KPMG, BDO, Ally Bank, Coca-Cola Bottling Consolidated. So like big name corporations that were my clients from the outside looking in, you would have thought this girl's business has got it going on. It looks amazing. I was being you know, published in like Accounting Today and World at Work Journal, some like national HR type recognition type publications. But my business had a secret. And that secret was, is that I hadn't quite figured out how to consistently fill the pipeline for my business. So like lots of business owners who start businesses, and if they don't grow super fast, regardless of how they grow. But when you start a business, you typically you start a business, you get a couple clients in the door, you work really hard to get those couple clients in the door, and then you put your head down and you go to work and you do the work for those clients. And then you look up and you're like, oh crap, there's nothing else coming in the funnel. Like, I don't have any other business. And that's normal and sh- it's okay. And it should happen in your first, first to second year. But in my fourth year, I was still in that hamster wheel. I was still getting clients in, putting my head down, doing the work, looking up and saying, oh crap, even though I was trying other ways to fill the pipeline. And it eventually led to that business failing um, just after the four year mark, had to go back to corporate America, had to get a job. And then while I was there, I got certified as a business and productivity coach. I figured I needed a plan B because I couldn't be in corporate America forever. I needed to get back out. I had tasted freedom (laughs) and I was like, I want back to it. I tried a number of different things in my background as well. I mean, I was a realtor at one point, even while I was working full-time, like just figuring out what would I do next? That would be my next launch pad. And then eventually I settled on that business and productivity coaching and it changed everything when I changed my mindset around how I was going to fill the pipeline in the funnel. And I started looking for other ways, except not to have to be doing that extreme networking. That's what I ultimately ended up doing with the HR consulting firm is every client I did land, it came because I worked so very hard and too hard to actually get them. And so I did a lot of networking, but when I started my productivity and business coaching practice, I had two kids and eventually we got a third. So it was the night, nightly networking, the all day coffees and, you know, morning coffees and lunches and stuff wasn't going to work. So I started looking around saying like, how do I make this next business successful? And it was that path that I took that landed me then a number of years ago to actually change the trajectory of my business and now teach people solely what I learned how to make my business successful is how do I get referrals and how do I do that different from how 99%, 9% of all people who teach referrals is I get it without asking. Awesome. So you mentioned the first failed business, but you didn't mention the second one. You're a three timer. Uh, and so, and you're in the third one still, which is, which is good, right? That's actually third time's a charm. But what about the second failure? Yeah. So it's, it's one, it's funny because I don't ever really talk about it all that often because it really was compared to the first one lasting over four years. And now this one in its seventh year, it was kind of like this little tiny blip in the middle of the screen. And I actually started I had, I came up with this idea and started like a children's clothing line for little girls. And I, it, I had this dream of doing it. And then one day my mother-in-law um, was in town and I was like showing it to her like, yeah, this is what I really want to do. And she is a masterful sewer. So she was like, I can totally do that with you. So we started this kind of like side hobby and it was, it's great. It's a clothing line, but she actually has some issues with her hands. And so when her hands wouldn't work for her, there was an expectation that I could sew and I don't cook. Guess what else I don't do? I don't sew either. And so the business just never got going. And I did it while I was at the corporate job in between business failure, number one, and starting my second business, I started this little outsider and I think I needed an outlet. I think I needed to feel like I can be successful and I can have something else going on. I don't have to be defined by this W2 corporate job. And so I did, I kind of started this little clothing line and it was great. We called it, I called it in-law designs because I was doing it with my mother-in-law and it was cute and sweet and wonderful for the moment that it was, but it was not a long time, long term, I guess I should say projection for me because I wasn't going to learn how to sew. And obviously you can source that stuff out, but you got to have the capital infusion to do it and coming off of a business failure. That just wasn't what I was looking to do. Got it. I got it. So you're speaking a real estate agent's language here, which is not W2, growing referrals, failure, all of these things. And so, you know, you said something earlier, which was, you know, how do you keep that pipeline full? How do you keep churning it over? And I think that's like the Taj Mahal. Like we're all looking for that. It's like the fountain of youth, right? Um, and, and we're constantly searching for 
I don't want to chase. I want to attract. And we have these conversations all the time. Uh, but let's dumb it down to the simplest uh, piece of this conversation, which you know, what is a referral? And you and I were talking a little bit about that off the air. So let's start there. I think and think like a realtor. This is a real estate agent podcast, yeah. right? Um, when, when, when I think everybody's listening right now saying to themselves, well, duh, it's a buyer, a seller. I mean, you know, and it's how they get referred to us, but I don't think it's quite that simple. And you tell us why it's not. Yeah, so here's the thing. Most people have a really good understanding of what a referral is until you put examples in front of them and you ask them to pick which are referrals and which aren't. And the reason for this is because we take other sales terms or other types of prospects like word of mouth buzz and introductions and warm leads, and then we group them all together with referrals and we then use those terms interchangeably or we combine them. Like we'll say word of mouth referrals, right? Or we'll talk about an introduction that we think is a referral, but it's not. So what I've always found that I had to do is really get it down to like just the bare minimum of people understanding a referral has two key parts that an introduction, word of mouth buzz, or a warm lead does not have. And those are distinct like four distinct types of prospects that can show up to your business. And they can all come from a referral source or somebody that you think is referring you because all four of those come from a human typically. So we think about them as, oh, because it's coming from someone else, it must be a referral. But how they set you up and what it actually looks like determines is it a referral word of mouth buzz, an introduction, or warm lead. And so I think it's important for us to start there. And I'm glad we're starting there because this will make everything else make sense when we talk about, okay, now how do we get those without asking, right? How do we get those referrals without asking for them? So the first part the referral has that most of these other terms will not have, they're either going to be lacking both or one of these two for a referral is number one is personal connection. So there will always be, you are being connected to a prospect, whether that prospect is a buyer or a seller, you are being connected to a prospect by someone else. And that someone else is who we call the referral source. So there's three characters, like three cast of characters, so to speak, in the referral triangle. There's you as the solution provider. You're the realtor who's going to help the person find their dream home or get as much money as they can out of their, out of their existing home, right? So as the realtor, you're the solution provider. Then you have a referral source who knows you, likes you, and trusts you enough to actually put their reputation on the line and refer you to the prospect. So solution provider, you, referral source, and the prospect, which is the person who ultimately has the problem that needs to do something about it and needs to talk to you as the realtor because you've now been referred. So personal connection is number one. There's always that personal connection. 99% of the time, maybe it's a little less than that, it's going to come over email. Most people are going to refer you over email. That's how we know we have a personal connection because we're seeing it in an email. I'm seeing the prospect copied on the email as well as I am, and it's being sent by the referral source. If that connection is missing, right, it could very well be word of mouth buzz or a warm lead because those two don't typically have the connection piece. The second thing that a referral has is always a need identified. So the prospect is being referred to you and they know they have a problem and they are looking to solve it, which means they are willing to take a meeting with you and willing to be referred to you by this person that they trust, the referral source. So there's always a need identified, which is typically what's lacking in an introduction. You're introduced to someone, so there's a connection, but you're not said why. So you don't know, oh, is it just another coffee meeting for the sake of having another coffee meeting and growing my network, or are they actually trying to sell me and am I selling them, right? But so when we look at these terminologies and we get really clear on a referral, a referral has a personal connection because that's where the trust is transferred and a need identified, which means the buyer is ready to be a buyer, right? And I mean that as a prospect is either willing to buy or ready to sell. They're ready to talk to realtors. The truth is if I'm in my forever home and I'm never going to move, right? And I'm going to die in that home and make it my kid's problem, right? At the end of the day, I don't ever need to have a conversation with a realtor, which means the need is never there. But if I have been talking to somebody saying, yeah, I really, we need to upsize or downsize or whatever it is we need to do. And someone says, I know exactly who you need to work with and I'll connect you. That in and of itself there is an actual referral. So understanding the difference between referral, word of mouth, buzz, introduction, and warm lead is key. Uh, you know, the, my, the first thing that comes to my mind from a question perspective is how do I create one and how do I create a lot of them? Yeah. So that's a, it's a great question. And I always tell folks is that I need you to think about referrals a little bit differently. Can you create referrals? Yes. 
Can you get a lot of them? Yes. But first of all, I need you to be thinking about this from the long-term game perspective. We are playing the long game here. So it's this idea that it may not be this massive in three months, you're going to have all the referrals and you don't know what to do with them. But like when I look at any of the realtors who've been through my program and they're like, wow, it's really fun to see my referrals go from single digits a month to double digit a month. Right. And like, but it didn't happen in the first couple of months. It took a little time to get there. So I always like to be really open and kind of give that disclaimer up front. Like, yes, people have success. It can be amazing. It'll be amazing, but you're going to have to put some work in to it. And a lot of how many referrals you're able to receive really is dictated by, well, how many referral sources do you have now? How many of them are active or inactive? And how many more do you need to hit the number of referrals you want to receive in a year? Which has to do a little bit with your capacity and how many clients can you help? If you don't have a team, or even if you have a team, how much new client capacity do you have every year from that perspective? And then do you have the referral sources to support that? I always tell folks, if you've been receiving referrals before, it is much easier to get you to a place to start getting more referrals from them and then adding more referral sources to your overall list. But lots of people start from scratch and they're like, you know what? Never really had any referrals in my real estate practice. So then we have to look at even even a little bit of a longer game of turning people into referral sources first and then cultivating more referrals from them. Well, how do you do that though, outside of the obvious? So, I mean, in a lot of cases here, you know, again, we're talking to, you know, probably a bunch of relatively new realtors and we're talking to a bunch of very experienced realtors. And so we got to talk to both of them. Uh, But I'm thinking to myself as a new realtor, and I guess this would apply to existing or experienced ones. The first train of thought is friends and family, right? So you're just starting Mm -hmm. out, you go to your friends and family, you go to your network of people. How do you turn those, that network into a referral source without being a slimy salesperson or kind of a pushy salesperson. Right. Because more than likely nobody actually went into real estate because they thought it's going to make me the most amazing salesperson I could ever be. Right. Nine times out of 10. I mean, I guess some people start there they're like, I'm the best salesperson ever. What can I sell? Most of us think, right. If you decide to get into real estate or become an attorney running your own firm, it's because you're good at something, helping people doing what you do. Right. And then now you got to figure out how to grow that by actually filling your pipeline and getting prospects and being able to sell. So I would say kind of the way that I would look at this is it, let's first talk about the four types of referral sources. And then let's talk about the process of taking people who aren't referring you and turning them into referral sources, because there are some, some clear distinctions here. And um, so from that perspective, there are four types of referral sources. So the first is clients and most realtors right? If you have a sticky client experience and you're doing a great service for your clients, you make yourself talkable. There is a percentage of your clients that will probably refer you to other people. There's a way to capitalize on that definitely, but it's not hundred percent. So stop worrying about that. hundred percent of your clients don't refer you. It's not the percentage that we're going for. So there's always your first level of referral sources or clients. The second type of referral sources are our centers of influence. They're the people who understand what we do. Like they get it. I mean, you're a realtor, got it. They don't do what you do. So there's no competitive overlap. And they actually come across people that they could refer to you, right? So that kind of depends, depends on your marketplace, depends on what type of real estate you do, like who are going to be the best referral sources to you from the center of influence perspective. But you got clients, you got COIs. Then you have that third category, which is the category you mentioned, which is where all the newbies start, right? Which is family and friends. And it's a great place to start. I don't think there's anything wrong with starting at that place. But what I have found with people that I have been working with is that they always feel like at some point the family and friend referrals that maybe they were able to get, or if they were just introductions or warm leads that they were able to get early on about the second to 30 year mark, they're like, they're stopping. Like, why are they stopping? And I always tell folks that the reality is, is everybody, I know we don't believe this all the time, but most of the time our family and friends actually want to see us be successful, right? They, they may have that rolling of their eyes, what the world needs another realtor, right? We know because they say it to financial advisors too. Don't worry. If you have a family member that becomes a financial advisor, you're like, why do we need another one? But the reality of it is, is nine times out of 10, they do want you to be successful. So they will start looking for opportunities for you. But by the end of your first year or second year, as you're entering your second and third year, they're kind of done. Unless you happen to have like, I have somebody I, that's in my program whose aunt is a, is a mortgage broker, 
great source of referrals for this guy, right? So that's awesome and amazing. But the reality of it is, is that family and friends will refer you. They're e- it's easier to get them to refer you in the beginning. Mom will always refer you because she loves you, but does she know enough people to refer you is the question. So you have to look at your friends and family. And if you're a new person, I would say, yes, having them understand what you do and having those conversations is probably important. Probably not that you're going to hit them over the head and it's the only thing you're going to talk about at the barbecue right over the weekend. It's well, not right now because we're social distancing, but you know, windows come back, right? So yes, family and friends is important, but it's actually the third type of referral source. And I kind of put it on the marker below of where we actually focus. If we're trying to get consistent referrals, you can have family and friends that you can move up to the center of influence or even the client category. If you work with them, that can refer you more. But the bulk of what you get from a family and friend referrals will happen early on when they're excited about your new business, when they're remembering it more often, when you're doing a better job of keeping in touch with them and reminding them of what you're doing and taking them to coffee and stuff. But it will eventually kind of run out unless you have some solid family and friends that can move into the COI kind of category. And then the fourth one is actually strangers. This won't work for newbies, but for our experienced realtors, your reputation can precede you. And so you can have people who know about you that don't know you, like they don't know you personally and you definitely don't know them, but they know enough about you because somebody else loved you or they, their neighbor used you and they heard great things. And so they can refer someone to you as well. It's just harder to capitalize on that if, if you don't go after and actually try to create a relationship with them to get more referrals. So we focus our efforts especially for an existing realtor on our clients and our centers of influence. Understanding strangers can happen and we can pull them up to become a center of influence if we can establish a relationship with them. But they're kind of like that gravy on top. And for our new ones, new realtors, we need to be focusing on those family and friends and then seeing if, is there potential for long-term or are they just really excited about you starting your new business and they want to see you be successful? You're going to start needing to focus on COIs and clients as referrals and as that family and friend newness starts to run off, uh, kind of run out. How do you recommend that? So obviously the uh, clients, is, that's easy, right? That's It's yeah. easy to, to, if you do them right, typically it's going to reciprocate. But the COI and the friends and family I think there's always that fine line for a salesperson. Uh, I'm not even going to necessarily say a realtor in this case, but for a salesperson to where at what point or what should be the strategy to attack these people? And, and by attack, I mean, ask for business without being annoying, whether you're new or old, what is the correct strategy? And, and mind you, obviously you don't know a lot about lab code agents and, and a lot of, a lot of the conversations we have nowadays is a lot about, social branding and mm-hmm. it's it's a long game as well and it's it's being people know like and trust you without you even knowing them because you're creating the content that just attracts eyeballs which creates opportunities and that sort of thing but we're kind of backing this off to just the the primitive uh basis of of referrals and so how do you coach or teach people uh, and, and what is the right strategy to approaching that coi and friends and family without being annoying Yeah. And I think that's really important. It's that ability to honor and maintain the relationship is actually most important to the process. And it's the number one thing I teach in terms of you being authentic, but respecting the relationship. Referrals only come from relationships. Sometimes they can come because your reputation is so amazing, right? Social branding, coming from strangers, but the majority of your business is going to come, especially if you want to build a practice that's focused on, you know, referrals, you have to recognize and respect the fact that continuous referrals, not the one time, never again, one hit wonder that you were happened to get because you had, you know, a great piece of content you put out there and someone referred you. Those will come over time, but we, they're harder to always track from that perspective coming from strangers. But if we're really looking at our centers of influence and even our clients that's to, in that case, and we're trying to pay attention to how do we get referrals from them? There's a couple of things we have to keep in mind. Number one is you need to respect the fact that referrals come from relationships and relationships are maintained by connection. So it's really important that you are focused on maintaining connection. But what we're talking about while we're maintaining those connections isn't really your real estate practice or whatever it is you're selling, right? It's about you figuring out how to help somebody else. Because once I feel like you care about me, then I'm actually normally more willing to invest in understanding and caring about you. And so it's just to kind of the way that it works in the world, right? In terms of if I put you first, and I actually drop my agenda at the door and I put you first, it allows for you to know I don't have an agenda. 
And at the end of the day, right, we get to actually build a relationship. And so what I teach people is that first we have to identify who should be referring you. This isn't everybody in your network and this isn't your entire client base should be referring you. They're not built to do that and they probably don't come across the number of people that you want to get referrals from to begin with. If we're trying to create something sustainable, right, something that we can actually expect, something that we can look at it from a controllable perspective in terms of the actions that we're doing and the results that we are receiving. So ultimately, it comes down to identifying the people who should be referring you and then starting a process that kind of like that long game process of developing a relationship with them. But the key piece here is that then you also understand how to plant referral seeds when you are in connection and building a relationship with these centers of influence or your clients. So it's like the easiest referral seed, I think, for me always to explain is the how we answer the question, how's business, right? So you're sitting down over coffee or lunch or grabbing a beer, right? Maybe they're not even a referral source, yes. Maybe they're just a center of influence. You want them to be referring you. They've got thousands of other agents in your area. They could be referring Do you want to get referrals from them? You're building a relationship with them. You're focusing on them. You walk away from every meeting thinking, how can I help them? And then you also have this ability to plant referral seeds. And that idea is you're sitting down for coffee. And the first thing they ask you is, hey, how's business? And your response to that is typically, I don't know, you want to go ahead and do a guess of how people are typically responding when they're asked, how's business? Actually, can I tell you what my first thought is, is? Uh, Those questions to me, like they don't really care. That's just like an (laughs) icebreaker in my opinion. Like they don't, like somebody on the outside looking in really doesn't care how your business is. They don't care how many closings you've had. They don't care what the market's doing. They don't care. They're just starting conversation. Uh, But but I'll play the game. So, but I wanted to point that out uh, because I think it's important what you said, who should be referring me. I think, and I want to say this to all, every realtor listening to this, you think people should be thinking, hey, when my neighbor is going to sell their house, I'm going to run over there and I'm going to tell them that they need to call, you know, Stacy. That's not the way humans think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think we're getting into this. And so I don't want to steal the thunder. So the question was, how's business? And I think the, <laughs> I think the general answer for everybody is it's going great. You know, and obviously, you know, it's really, it's that simple. I mean, obviously, I think nowadays you're talking about, wow, geez, the coronavirus is really having an impact on my business. But I think generally speaking, in normal times, I think it's just very, so I think, I think people just lie and they just tell them business is good. You know, it's the, it's the G word. It's good or great, right? You're probably going to get one of those two answers. Um, and, and you're right. And here's the other thing. So let me, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how we plan a referral seed by changing how we answer that question. But I think you brought up a really good point in terms of when referrals are are actually happening. And the thing I always tell folks is nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I grow Jeff's business today? Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I grow Stacy's business today? What they think is, how do I grow my own business today? Like, that's what you wake up thinking, right? Most people do. Sometimes that's what I wake up thinking. Like, that's what we wake up thinking. What's for breakfast? Well, and sometimes there, right? But see, I'm going to walk downstairs and have the most wonderful breakfast sandwich made for me by my amazing husband. So I don't actually ask that question. I know what's coming. But the idea here is, is that when we wake up in the morning, we're not thinking about how do I grow my realtor friend, right? Or that amazing realtor I worked with a year ago, how do I grow their business? We don't think like that. We think about ourselves. And so we have to recognize that and understand that when we're starting to to maybe identify someone that, wow, I really want them to refer me, right? What does it look like to get them to a place to where actually when there's an opportunity, they will think of you and it won't be the realtor they haven't talked to in six years and can't remember your name anymore because they don't ever talk to you. You have no relationship with them. So what I always tell folks is that when we've identified people we want to get referrals from, it's about building a relationship with them, going to coffee, seeing how you can help them. And then when the opportunity is there, it's learning how to plant referral seeds. And the easiest one, of course, is like we said, how's business? So what if the next time someone said, how's business? You can say it's great if that's important to you. And you said something to the effect of, oh, it's going great. Thanks so much for asking. I was actually just reviewing my first quarter, and it was crazy to think that 79% of the clients that I brought on board actually came by referral from other clients. Don't you think referrals is like the best way to grow your business? 
when I end with a question, and I've also, when I end with a question about referrals, now I get to engage in dialogue about them and their referrals, which is now is getting them to think about me from a referral perspective. And I also planted the seed that says, yes, 79% of the clients I brought on board in first quarter came through referral. It's just that common conversation piece of us talking about referrals. Will a referral explosion happen because I answered Hal's business one time? No. Let's like, let's put on our, like, our, adult pants here, right? And think about this from that perspective, but could it have the potential for laying a groundwork for somebody that I want to refer me, that isn't referring me, that may think of me different. And if I continue to build a relationship with them and plant referral seeds at the right time, has the potential to maybe think about me over everybody else in my industry when it does come time to refer someone. That's ultimately what we're after. Now, with some center of influences that can send you consistent referrals, that relationship needs to be tighter. You actually have someone who comes across people who need to buy, not the ones or twosies a year, which are great. We want to cultivate those referral sources too. But we do look at who can refer us and to what level. And I think that's really important for us to recognize. And so it's all about the conversation you have, the how you plant the referral seeds, and then how you make them think about you. The truth is, there's nothing rocket science about what I teach. This is kind of going back to business basics of how we actually focus on relationships, take care of other people, right? And in this case, we're also going to be planting a few referral seeds along the way. So they just think about us. You're only going to think about me in one way because humans are lazy and I meet you. I'm only going to remember one thing because I'm lazy and I'm off to the next 50 million things I've got to do. If it's only going to be one thing, I'd rather it be the whole conversation we had at the beginning about how my business came from referrals and then how I got you and I into conversation about the fact that we talked about how your referrals are going. And we had this whole conversation and maybe I could be helpful in that regard. I mean, obviously that's one thing I'm going to be able to do, but anybody who's getting referrals would probably have some tactics they could share. But regardless, it's about the conversation we started around referrals and how you see me differently moving forward. But it is still one piece in the building blocks of these overall referrals you want. And so that's why I say it's a long game. But you know, when I look at the, my clients or my students that are going through my program and they're like, yeah, I typically get three or four referrals a year and now I'm getting 40 a year, right? So like it may have taken two years to get to the 40 mark, but now they've got more than they can handle because they played the long game and they identified who should be referring them. And then they took time to build a relationship with those people. In a lot of cases though, they're looking at their existing list of referral sources and then we're putting them through a process, just kind of like some steps where they understand that we care about them, we appreciate them, and we're giving ourselves opportunities to plant referral seeds. And then it's just another process that you operate on within your business, no different from your prospecting plan or your marketing plan. Your referral plan just becomes another part of your sales strategy. What is the best way to identify these people? Because, you know, you mentioned that conversation. It's at a coffee shop. You use a random 79%, which I assume that was completely random. It was. Uh, um, I, I didn't know if there was like a, a you know, kind of a, a mind game you're playing there. <laughs> um, you know, some statistic that says if you say this, it'll capture their attention. So when, when you're talking about that person that you have this conversation with, we're not talking about I assume we're not talking about that the coffee meeting with the friend or the family member. You're talking about with a potential referral partner, somebody who's in a business who also does referrals, because then you're kind of playing a subliminal game of let's talk about referrals and kind of just getting in their head about, oh, hmm, yeah, referrals. That's right. Hmm, oh, yeah, you're a realtor. I, I should be referring you. Right. Is that that's kind of the concept here? Is that is that what you're doing? It is, but it's not like we expect we're never going to say okay, we talked about referrals. Great. Now give me some, right? Right. Like that's not what we're ultimately talking about here. And I am completely against the idea that you should be asking people or even suggesting to people that they should be giving you referrals. There is a way to do this. Wait a minute. Realtors do this all the time. They put it on their email signature. They put it on their thank you cards. They put it every, they put it on their promo pieces. They put it on the little baseball schedule they send me. And every sticker, they, they stick on anything. Greatest compliment you can give me is a referral. And so you're telling me that they should not be doing this. Interesting. Okay, go on. Yes. So here's the thing. All right. So let me back up for a second and let me explain it in this way so that people can be like, what? You just ruined my world, right? So let me give you to this in some context. So here's the thing. From the day of sales starting, we have taught building a sales strategy for every business owner out there in, in two ways. You should have a prospecting plan full of prospecting activities. Maybe you are going to be farming a neighborhood. Maybe you're going to go to networking events. Maybe you're going to cold call. Maybe you're going to sit at the phone bank and answer phones when those leads come in, right? So we have taught prospecting activities. The prospecting plan is one part 
of two parts of an overall sales strategy. The second piece being your marketing strategy. Maybe it's going to be a content thought leader piece. Maybe you're going to go after PR and get some earned media. Maybe it's sponsorships of events that you're going to do. Maybe it's advertising that you're going to run. But whatever it is and whatever category you put your activities in, there are activities that we do in the prospecting side and in the marketing side that were out there in the marketplace trying to attract buyers to you. And buyers, I mean prospects, buyers and sellers, but trying to attract prospects to you. Your messaging and prospecting and marketing, it was for more of the short-term game, though some marketing has a long-term approach to it, of course, as we've evolved, right? We understand that. But it was more of a short-term game and our messaging went direct to the prospect themselves. Prospecting had very much a, I need to eat tomorrow, so I'm going to go to this networking event and try to find a couple of people who want to meet with me. And marketing more of a long game perspective, but still my marketing message is to get the attention of the prospect. Okay, that's how we've taught sales strategies for decades and decades and decades. Whenever it was that the referral piece of this came along, we can get referrals from other people. We took referrals, and I say we not really meaning myself. I, this is probably before I was even born, right? We took referrals, and from a sales perspective, we tried to slam them into prospecting or slam them into marketing. So not paying attention to the human dynamic and psychology behind why referrals actually happen. We took referrals, this idea of getting referrals from people you know, and we made it part of our prospecting plan. And so our prospecting mentality is, I got to eat tomorrow, closest to the close. Well, what's the closest way to get me to referrals? Oh, fine, I'll just teach you how to ask, or I'll teach you how to pay. Now in the real estate world, this is legit and it's allowed because there's documents that are signed and the buyers know. So it's not such a big deal in the real estate world, but the asking piece is, massive. I mean, there are people who have their entire companies positioned around teaching realtors how to ask and they're putting as part of the prospecting strategy. The reality of this is what those sales trainers were looking for and what the industry has been looking for with referrals and asking is that I'm trying to get to the trigger. I'm trying to get you to trigger someone to refer me. And the only way I know how to do it is to ask. But when asking becomes your trigger, it's the only trigger you typically have. And then you become the asker. And then you become the people who like see that email signature come across and they don't see it anymore. It's kind of like about, I don't know, 15 years ago, we were all putting at the bottom of our signature, please think about the environment before you print this email. Like we would see them and it would catch our attention. It would change our behavior. 10, 15 years later, nobody cares anymore that's at the bottom of your signature. It's the same thing with putting like the complimentary stuff, right? But the asking piece was huge because it was all they knew. And so they taught asking scripts and taking advantage of reciprocity. And they taught all these things about networking to know more people so you could ask more people. Those were the strategies we were taught. Asking every time you have a minute, every time you have a chance, just ask, ask, ask. Because they made it part of prospecting. The other piece is they took the idea of referrals and they slammed it into the marketing plan. And without knowing any better, they just decided to make it overly promotional and gimmicky. So you'll see... The, the greatest compliment you can give me plastered everywhere because it's a marketing tactic and it's trying, they're thinking about it from a marketing perspective, right? Trying to get your attention, pattern interrupt, make sure you notice me. Greatest compliment you can give me is a referral, except no one's paying attention anymore. Or you'll see these things like um, realtors and it's really big on Pinterest. I don't know how often you spend time on Pinterest, but it's really big for some realtors who will like send a bag of goldfish with a little note that says, I'm fishing for your referrals right? They take this concept of referrals, they put it a part of their marketing plan, and they make it overly promotional and really, really gimmicky. Because that's the only way we've known to talk, to teach referrals for decades. Ask or pay, overly promotional and gimmicky, because it has to fit within the sales strategy as the way we understand it, prospecting and marketing. What I teach and what I advocate for is keep your prospecting, keep your marketing, Pull referrals out from it. Stop asking, stop paying, stop being overly promotion and gimmicky and create an actual referral plan. It's a third plan in your overall strategy, but everything about it is different. In fact, it starts with who are you talking to? Prospecting, marketing, trying to talk to the prospect, to the person who needs to buy or sell a home. In referral land, right, when I'm in my referral plan, I'm only talking to the referral source. So of course my language has to be different. I'm focused on relationship building with that referral source because of all the prospects they know or will potentially know and that can send my way. So it has to look different. And that is why when I teach people, I'm like, keep your prospecting, keep your marketing. You've got to have a referral plan as well where you're focused on developing relationships with referral sources. And if you don't have any, right, then there's a strategy and tactic you have to take to turn people into referral sources. And if you have referral sources, 
There's a strategy and tactic we take to get more referrals from them as well. And so that it can actually become a fully functioning part of your overall sales strategy. Your sales strategy is no longer a two-legged stool. It's a three-legged stool. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we're getting deep on time. It's amazing how fast that happens. (laughs) I I want to know, you've kind of broken the mindset of of a bunch of people who are listening right now who say, ah, crap, I do that. Oh, crap, I've done that. Oh, geez. You've told me what not to do, but what what should I be doing? Because it just goes against everything that I've been taught. It just, I feel like if I'm not going to ask for it, I'm never going to get it. So what am I to do? Uh, You know, if I take that off my email signature, what am I supposed to put in its place or what am I supposed to do? Right. So here's the thing. And I mapped this out of my book, but let me give it to you at the high, high level so that I want someone to be like, okay, I get this and I can go apply this once I'm done listening to the podcast today. So the first thing I need you to do is I need to identify who your referral sources are. And there's actually a really easy way to do this. If you have a CRM, a client relationship management tool, if you don't, It's a little bit of a harder way to do this, but identification of who your referral sources are is always the first point. It's always the starting point because the reality of it is if you won't go through the process of figuring out who's referring you now, it doesn't really matter what else I can teach you because you won't know what to do anything for. You won't know who to do anything for. So what to do doesn't actually matter. What people typically find when they identify their referral sources is they're surprised by who's on the list because it's usually people you haven't been paying attention to and who's not on the list. And they're surprised because I spend way too much time with that person to never get referrals from them, right? So it's focusing in on where are we going to spend our time? It's the 80-20 rule, right? Like where are referrals coming from? And let's make sure we identify our referral sources. That's step one. Lots of questions come up when people go through this step, which I go through in chapter eight of my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. I go through it step by step. And a lot of people are like, that's in your program. Why do you just give that away to people? And I always say, because if you won't get through this step, it doesn't really matter if you won't go any further. But then ultimately what I need after you've identified your referral sources is I need you to be able to create what we do and what I teach is create a plan for an entire year of how you're going to be memorable and meaningful and stay top of mind with your referral sources. I'm not talking about your e-newsletter. I am not talking about the the, um, database that you participate in that every 32 days tells you that you haven't reached out to this person, so you better hurry up and reach out to this person because we all know what those text messages are really about. They're not about you checking in, right? They're about you just staying on my radar, right? But if we're memorable and meaningful and we stay top of mind, and that gives us opportunities to plant referral seeds, we create a relationship with our referral sources that is different from any other type of relationship we have. We're planting the right referral seed language while honoring and being authentic, honoring the relationship and being authentic to who we are and taking ultimate care of our referral sources. And I know for some people that's like, that sounds a little woo woo, but at the ultimate end of the day, when you think about it, what are we after in life? We are experience deprived in our society. So giving someone an experience where they just, there's these ongoing touch points. And I don't mean there's like 22 a year or 32 a year or 12 a year. I'm like way less than that. If they're memorable and meaningful and top of mind, you can do way less than, than that in terms of outreach and touch points. But it is this idea of them knowing that you care about them in a way that no other realtor actually does. And so why would they ever send their referrals to anyone else? And if you pick the right people through this process, either because they've referred you or you want them referring you and they come across enough prospects, that will increase the number of referrals you're actually going to receive. Let's give them one last nugget before we depart. You know, you said, just made the comment that like, there's not, it's, it's not about the quantity of touches, it's the quality of touches. So give a realtor an example of what you mean by a quality touch versus a quantity touch. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to use an example that's actually a gift, but that is, I don't want anyone thinking you have to send gifts for this to work. It's just the easiest when we're talking about this for everybody to kind of picture in their mind's eye of what this ultimately would look like. So again, gifts are one of many categories that you can do. I'm just going to use this as my example. When I was a business and productivity coach, one thing I recognized because I went through the process of identifying my referral sources is that my top referral sources were business owners that were also parents. So one way I decided to stand out and be memorable and meaningful was I decided to actually put as one of my touch points to recognize Mother's Day and Father's Day. So no one expects to hear from someone they refer or like their realtor or their, you know, business and productivity coach on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Yeah, sure. We're all talking to you at Thanksgiving and Christmas, but nobody expects to hear from you, right? And Mother's Day and Father's Day. So for Mother's Day that year, I sent a Wonder Woman water bottle to all of my top referral sources. And just, it was a basic easy card, like the hero, never forget you are a hero kind of language, right? Letting them know, I see you, I care about you. And the reality is it was memorable and meaningful because it was touching and it was useful 
So for years, they never forgot who gave them that Wonder Woman water bottle. Now, I couldn't have just only done that in one year, but it was over a series right, of touch points that I did do, and they all build on each other. But that water bottle was able to, to, it felt like a gift to them. Nowhere was my logo or my phone number or my name on that Mm. water bottle. It was a gift. And when you slap your logo on your promo swag, you make it promo swag. You have to keep, keep these things separate. And so when that water bottle was given, they felt seen, they felt heard, they were surprised, they felt touched. And then they didn't forget who gave it to them because it was something that was actually memorable and meaningful. And so those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Does it all have to be elaborate in gifts? Oh my gosh, please, no. Sometimes it's just the conversation you have and how you have the conversation that would matter. But the idea of understanding that what you do is probably gonna look different than anything you're doing now is something I always tell folks when they come into my program, you gotta wrap your head around because it is important to make sure that we're being memorable and meaningful and top of mind. Interesting, interesting. So again, you just broke another theory of I'm gonna send them a water bottle and I'm gonna send it Wonder Woman, but I'm gonna certainly slap my stuff on there because I want them to remember me. They but don't you're, need it. But you're dispelling that. You're saying, yeah, exactly. So you, you, I assume you had a card with it that, that gave them some sort of well wishes, right? Right, yeah. So there was definitely a card that was basically, you know, like never forget you are a hero, right? Again, the card, once you took the card off the water bottle though, my name was gone. But they didn't, and they didn't forget for two, up to two years. I mean, I remember getting a social media post two years later from one of my referral sources who posted it on Facebook and was like, well, she commandeered my my water bottle two years ago and it finally bit the dust. Stacy, can I have another one? Right. It was really funny, right, from that perspective. But two years later, she hadn't even been using it. Her young daughter had been, and she still remembered who gave it to her. Of course, she's also one of my best referral sources. That's powerful. I I would also say, though, that I think this is just like so many other things. I use this terminology all the time is most of us cannot see the forest through the trees. And we're looking for that quick buck. And the long game is just hard because Mm -hmm. I need to pay my bills now. And so it's interesting that you say all this because I I hope this shifts the mindset of a lot of people. I know I'm a, a, a swag poor, for lack of a better term. I love swag and I always am trying to come up with creative swag because I want people to have it. And it's it's kind of become a part of my brand. I don't dress like a normal mortgage guy or real estate person. I dress very casual. I don't ever talk about it either. It's because I don't have to. It's subliminal. I'm just playing that game, which is totally different off topic in a way. But I love it because like you said, it's it's getting out of your own way. And there are going to be a few people that actually take this and run with it and say, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to stuff it down their throat because they're probably going to remember me even more uh, if I don't. And and it's going to catch them off guard because everybody is doing the email signature. Everybody's slapping their logo on stuff. Everybody's doing that stuff. And I love it. I love it. You're really giving them something to think about. So uh, in closing, what would be one big last piece of advice that uh, or one thing you want to leave the listener with today about uh, procuring more referrals? Two main things, if I can. Number one is I want you to understand that there's been tons of realtors who have come before you and decided I can shift my mindset, I can have my mind blown, and I can think a different way and have had success. So don't think just because this may be the first time you're hearing this, that there aren't hundreds of success stories that have come before you and that are actually doing this differently and having success with it. So you can do this, but you have to decide if you want to do this. Because to your point, it's playing the long game and you've got to decide you want to start playing so that we can actually see some success. And the second thing I would leave everyone with is, you know what, before you decide to dive in, maybe you want to get my book, listen to my podcast, all those things are great. I definitely encourage you to do them. But I have a simple nine question quiz on my website. Just go to referralquiz.com. Just referralquiz.com. You can also pull it off my website, Stacey Brown Randall, but it's nine simple questions that will help you understand where you are today in your ability to generate referrals. And can you do it without asking? And those nine simple questions actually reveal so much to me, right? When I kind of review those results and stuff, they reveal so much to me, but you'll instantly get your results and your results are going to say, are you at the beginner level? the in-training level, or the master level. And we do this through referral ninjas. So like you are you get a different colored belt with, based on your ninja and your level. But the idea here is, is that you'll get some resources that'll show you because 85% of the thousands have taken the quiz. So I'm guessing a lot of your listeners will land there too, are going to land at the beginner level. It's going to give you the roadmap of what it looks like to move yourself up to the master level. Before you do anything, just figure out where you're starting from and let that be your first step after listening to this episode. I love it. And so what is the best place? uh, You mentioned it, but let's mention it again. Where's the best place to get a hold of you or find you or where are the best places to, to find you? 
Yep, absolutely. So my home base is stacybrownrandall.com. That's my website. Of course, Stacy is spelled with an E. Of course, I'm on Facebook. We've got a free Facebook group, Referrals Without Asking. I'm on all the social media platforms. And then, of course, that referral quiz, you can find that at just referralquiz.com. Awesome. And once again, the name of the book is Generating Business Referrals, dot, 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 without asking. There is no dot, 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 but I threw it in there. <laughs> um, and the host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast, that does sound like a good one. Is that is that um, specific to any one industry? Uh, or do you just kind of, is it broad? So it's broad, but I actually have about an, a handful of, of target markets that the podcast is built for. It's typically built for B2B, B2C, it doesn't matter, but it's built for service-based professionals who try to look as be seen as the expert who sell their expertise, sometimes have initials after their names for all the training they've been through, and they want to position themselves in the marketplace as the expert. And that's appropriately like really who the podcast is for. So we got realtors, financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys, interior designers, and business coaches and consultants. Entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, definitely entrepreneurs, but you know what? There's a lot of sales professionals in there that don't own their own business, that they love it too, because it's like for them, they've been overtaught how to sell. So it's like a breath of fresh air. Sure, sure. Although I will say that, I mean, like in the mortgage industry, everybody's W2'd, but you're you're basically an entrepreneur. It's just because- It's just because that's the way it's set up. I mean, but let's be honest, you're an entrepreneur because nobody's telling you when to come to work every day. Yep. So I love it. Awesome. Well, Stacey, this has been fantastic. I mean, you, you've you got a ton of stuff to share. I think you've got a ton of stuff for people that probably want more that they're going to go seek out. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on today and sharing with our audience. I think this has been very, very helpful. And uh, you've definitely debunked some uh, some traditional strategies that some of us use, and I think that's good. And I hope that we get to hear some feedback from people that say, you know what, I took that off my email signature, or I stopped swagging, swagging the hell out of my clients. Although I'm going to have a hard time with that one, but I love it. Just really remember, we're just not swagging our referral sources. If you want to do your promo swag to your clients and then the prospecting buyer's journey, that's okay. Just not your referral sources. I love it. It's a different way of thinking. I love right. it. So this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, it's Stacy Brown Randall, Stacy with an E. Uh, Randall has two L's. Uh, so make sure you go and check her out and uh, hopefully she can bring something additional to your business. So thank you again, Stacy, for being on today. It was great to uh, get to know you. Thanks for having me. Agents Podcast.